Hey, Doug Smith. It's been a long time since I talked to you. How are things today? Oh, I see you what. It has been a long, beautiful day in Florence, South Carolina. The, the sun outside, is, I mean, the sky is beautiful. It started off this morning, you know, maybe around 50, got up to like 81 degrees. South gotta, Carolina weather, you got to love it, my friend. You, you got to like having winter, spring, summer, and fall all in the same day, man. Dress in layers because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and as as many people say around the, the coast, they say that, you know, if you don't like the weather, then just uh, wait and it's going to change. So Wait 24 hours, it will change. That's exactly awesome. Right. I would like to introduce you to a new friend of ours, Doug, Jason Vigo. Jason, I would like for you to meet Doug Smith also known as Doug, the food guy. Jason, my friend, where are you located at today? I'm in Los Angeles, California. I think some of the weather a little similar to what you're feeling. We get that pretty much all the time, which is why I live here. Well, LA is a beautiful town. Uh, professional sports, what's your favorite? Uh, I just went to a Laker game yesterday. So oh, Lakers. Cool. So I'm a I'm a basketball guy, Laker guy. Been some rough years, but uh Lakers. I'm a LA sports fan, but most of us are out here. Well, I didn't hear anything about the Chargers, so we'll just uh, skip over football for now then. Yeah. Uh they are newer to LA, so uh no Charger fans in this room, it sounds like. Uh let's just say Green Bay. Go pack, go. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> I can hang with that. I can hang with that. <laughs> oh goodness! So how's everything out in your beautiful part of the world? It's good. LA weather is finally cooling down a little bit, so weather's not too bad. Work is work, but it's going pretty well, and things are great. What about you? Well, I have a son that lives in. Um... Bona Vista, Arizona, which is right across the mountain from LA. And the last time we were out there, we almost made it to LA. And then we stopped at this cool little uh, place and had lunch and had, you know, just a fun time and ended up turning around and going home. But we never actually drove over the mountain, but it's so beautiful out in that part of the world. Yeah, is that where where is that in relation to like Tempe or Phoenix? Uh Phoenix you would drive about 2 hours south and okay. so Bona Vista is literally um oh goodness what's the name of the little um oh goodness where they had OK Corral what's the name of that little town? I don't know. I don't know enough about Arizona. That's why I'm Oh, okay. So, so anyway, it, it's, it's, it's right on the border. I mean, it literally is right on the border and the main road goes straight and it goes across the mountains. And when you get across the mountains, you're, you're about an hour and a half from LA, from Baldo Vista. Isn't that tombstone? Oh, tombstone. That's the one I'm looking for. So, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, forgive here. me. There we go. Uh, excuse me. What is Tombstone? <laughs> <That's a normal laughs> question. We'll just we'll just keep you here for wh whenever we can't figure out, and then you'll just jump in with that answer. But, I'm ready, man. Yeah, I'm ready. We just hired. Yeah. What uh, is Tombstone? Uh, tombstone person. was a cool little town that we bought bracelets at. Got it. All right. Now I got it. <laughs> we, yes. Yeah, we hired our our third person in Arizona, and I haven't been out there to meet them in person yet, and so now uh, sounds like I have more things to do out there. So. 
Tombstone. Where do they live? What Next part of stop. the world in uh, Arizona are they at? Phoenix and Tempe. That's why I asked. So I know. Oh I'll yeah. Be there, okay. We drove through. We flew into uh, Phoenix, drove through Tempe, and headed down. And uh, so it's a, there we go. You know, it's a beautiful part of the world out there. I know. I haven't been in in years. Uh, my uh, my friend a long time ago got drafted to Arizona um, to the Cardinals, and so I went out there a few times. He didn't make it very long, so uh, oh okay. okay. Now now I need reasons to go back. So don't worry, not not. <laughs> Not a fan there either, only when he was on the team. But uh, I will be back there soon, and I will add Tombstone to the list. It's a cool place. Awesome. You've mentioned about basketball. Are you still competing? You're still doing any sports? I do play basketball, not not professionally, clearly. If you saw me in real life, you know, five foot seven, not <laughs> not the the best height for basketball. But I was quite competitive growing up with basketball and uh, – try and get into some pickup games and things like that but uh startup life takes over a little bit and i don't play nearly as much but what about you all any any sports you play i love to I, watch I sports but you know <laughs> i'm not a big sports player i'm a watcher <laughs> unlike mr harrison over there tom with an h doug did actually come we were playing uh, this is a uh, we were playing for the state championship in uh, tennis uh, at the league of tennis that I play in in Florence where Doug lives and he and, and his wife were so, so sweet to come out. They didn't stay and watch cause it was hot as blazes, uh, but they did come out and, and support the Tom as we, as we brought home the win for South Carolina. Woo. Woo, and, woo. Uh, it, it was a good, it was Congrats. a good, good time. Oh, thank you very much. It was, a, it was a fun thing. You mentioned startup life, Jason. What's, what's that all about? Are, are you, are you deep into the startup life now? I am deep into the startup life right now. So uh, our company, it's called Bev's. We're a software platform for liquor stores and convenience stores. Um, I co-founded it in January 2020. We've changed a lot over the years, but uh, yes, I am deep in startup life. It is uh, seems like everything I'm doing all funnels around uh, Bev's, but yeah. So you got liquor stores and C stores. Are they are they out in that part of the world? Are they the same? We ha we don't have those together here. We have separate liquor stores and and uh, C stores out here on the East Coast. Yeah. So in California, technically we like colloquially we call it liquor stores, but they're all for the most part liquor convenience stores. So they have your beer, your wine, your spirits, and your snacks, chips, waters candy, medicine, et cetera. Um, but we support both. So the software platform, I mean, in a nutshell, what it does is we're helping any liquor store or convenience store or liquor convenience store, right? Um, buy the products that their customers want and then easily sell them in store and online. And we are on the East Coast. So we're in 13 states now, uh, not in the Carolinas yet, but uh, we should be there pretty soon. So how exactly do you help the retailers uh you know, promote their products. I mean, tip fill me yeah. in. Great question. So at our core, we have this inventory management platform. What we're doing is we put normalized data. So anything that a convenience store sells, uh, candy, chips, water, sodas, alcohols, we preload that with correct name, description, photo, UPC code into our platform. And then we have integrations with DoorDash, Uber, Grubhub, the food delivery apps. Um, 
And so we basically give these stores this really easy way to manage all the, their products, pricing, and then sell them across these delivery apps. That's really our core business today. Uh, a little bit of what I talked about on sort of the buying side, we're now building out these technology integrations to their distributor. So how do they buy their inventory? You tap that into how do they sell it? POS integration. And then we tap into how they sell it online. So this kind of one full system to help your mom and pop independently operated convenience store easily buy and sell inventory, not run out of things that their customers want, maybe get the cooler new products before they know about them. Um, that's really what we're, we're doing. Gotcha. When you integrate it into the distribution side of it, as you may not know that Doug and I are also in the food and beverage business and have been since since before freezers. Well, I mean, that's me. I was before freezers. That's, well, uh, he was a little yeah. older than me. We had freezers and trucks when I got into the business. Okay. Yeah, ours still had wagons. We had some wagons with, you know, with the ice, with, <laughs> the, with the hay on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's actually not even true, just so you know. That uh, when you integrated into the distribution world, did you get any kind of pushback from them, from you having that much data? Because I know that oftentimes the distribution world, and I say that carefully, loves to hold on to their unstructured data so that you can't structure it and find some signal to where you can go for business. Did you run into a little bit of pushback in that world? Yeah, we have, and we still are. And I think we will continue to for the foreseeable future. The way we've proven, we're still a startup, right? So over the coming years, I think we'll prove this out a lot better. But it is around, we, we, we play really nice with others. Everything's aggregate data. We're not getting individualized anything. And the way we're using it is all funneled around sort of helping the retailer buy and sell more. So our first integration, I don't know if you're familiar with the company Cormark, um, that was our first uh, API integration, right? And so some of the same things, right? What, what data will we track? Who gets it? All of that stuff. But where it came down to us actually sort of going to market together with this is in the end, if Cormark, does not have to send as many humans to these stores. If the stores can order online faster and automate it and never run out of those items, the win is still there. And we're not really using the data outside of that. Frankly, we're not even really using the data at all. It's just helping the store track and never run out of things that they want. But short answer to your question, no, the industry is sort of changing, but I think it's still the early days uh, and there will be more sharing to come, but uh, we have a long way to go. Yeah, it is still the Wild Wild West and then the C store and and the we have we have a group of C stores. There's four different groups here. Uh, and it started in in the Carolinas that are becoming what we're calling a hybrid C store where they have a a physical regular convenience store. Then they actually are selling a wine, beer and stuff one part and able to consume it on site. And they actually have restaurants in there and that is creating such a big a big opportunity for us because that we're no longer confined. It's like, no, 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 you're not a retail guy. You can't do that. Or don't show this food service product into the C store uh, realm. Are you, are you doing anything with any food service companies out on the West coast yet? Not so much. So what we're seeing, yeah, what you just called out, I think is one of, one of the interesting trends, right? So on-premise and off-premise was so separate for so long and you can get tasting licenses and things like that. I think another realm that's getting re really interesting is this spectrum of like restaurant to sea store where you have your QSRs who now like serve hot food and things like, especially East Coast, less on the West. But sort of what we're dabbling in is less on the, the sort of prepared foods, definitely not on the on-premise foods. We're trying to stay really focused. One, we don't touch anything other than 
liquor stores and convenience stores. Uh, we're not dabbling into grocery or restaurant or pharmacy or anything like that. I think we're going to stay in our lane forever, I think. Um, and then secondly, it's really around that key piece, which is what we realize when working with these stores. So my co-founder actually owns liquor and convenience stores in LA and Ventura County. He's been doing it for 40 years now. So we've been part of this industry together for a super long time. And we're really staying on that core point, which is they were running out of items their customers want. They don't have the infrastructure to sell online. They have too many items, the items switch out. So we're staying really focused on that. If hot food starts to come into play, we would dabble with that. But ultimately it is the non-perishables uh, that come into the store and then leave. And we want to help the retailer just do that really well. So if I'm hearing you, you're totally focused on the inventory control supply chain of the liquor. It's not necessarily the rebates and the financials on the backside uh, to promote the products. Okay, got it. Correct. There, I think there's a future where obviously as we facilitate this, we can be a really good partner in doing that. But today it's how do they get the items? How do they never run out of them? And really one of our special sauces is the e-commerce side. So I have an e-commerce background. And so if you're a convenience store, our thought is you should be able to really easily sell what you have in store online. And how we started that was the delivery apps, right? And uh, it seems easy, but the, it's not as easy to sign up, manage those delivery apps as it looks, especially if you're a C store with like one clerk working at all times, inventory showing up, there's people in the store, you're now getting e-commerce orders. It's just, it's a, it's a mess. Uh, so yeah, supply chain and really looking at helping them sell more of the products using the internet. Well, Monday through Friday, I work as a uh, supply chain management consultant and, you know, nice. mostly, or just not necessarily mostly, exclusively in the restaurant industry inside. And there are companies that go out and try to maximize the rebates on the funds to, you know, pay for their menus and the whatever all that goes because there's yep. a lot of money that goes back and forth between that can't be necessarily given to the retailer, but they Correct. can be funneled in different ways. And there's all kinds of laws and regulations. And uh, it sounds to me in, in, in my normal world, what you're describing is not even legal. I mean, a convenience store or a restaurant cannot give a bottle of wine and have it delivered because it's you know prohibited. Yep. Uh, that's the on-premise, off-premise piece. It was kind of funny, the pandemic, uh, those laws were a little looser for a period of time where you started to, I'm sure you saw in some oh, yes. of the delivery apps, it was like, hey, my restaurant, I can, I can buy beer from there right now. But as things sort of came back, it seems like the three-tier system and a lot of these laws sort of stay intact. And so for now, the cool part about what we're doing is we're not liable, but it is our responsibility, we feel, to understand how the landscape is, how the laws work, and make sure we're supporting the stores in doing that. But yeah, the stores can absolutely, obviously, off-premise sales, convenience, and liquor stores can totally do alcohol delivery um, in that, most states pretty, now. That's pretty cool because, you know, yeah. as you described during the pandemic, uh, I actually have one of our clients, a good friend of mine, he, he went out and put a, this big tent right outside of his restaurant and, you know, was serving food. And then the, uh, I'm not even sure what agency it is, but whatever agency that is that controls alcohol in our state came to him and said, you know what? 
I'm not wanting to put you in jail. So if you don't stop doing what you're doing in the next 24 hours, I'm going to come back tomorrow. And if you're still doing it, you're going to jail. <laughs> you're like, I like what you're doing. I don't make the laws myself, but it's still illegal. But yeah, some of it is almost seemingly illogical, right? But ultimately, uh, we can only do so much. I'm not uh, going to be lobbying in D.C. anytime soon, I don't think. So for now, it's whatever the rules are, let's help the people prosper better in them, right? But it right. might change. I don't know. Do you think it's going to change anytime soon? You know, your system, I hate to say never because we're in a constant world of change. But I will say, just to put a bow on that conversation, the issue was not that he was doing it in a tent, but that the tent was not permanently connected to his building. So if he had connected yep. the building to the tent, be okay. it would be perfectly legal. But because there was like a 10-foot walk space that was uncovered into the parking yeah. lot, it became illegal. But no, everything is, we're in a changing world. I mean, what yeah. rules there were three years ago are totally different today. 12 totally. months from now, who knows what the rules are going to be. Yeah. No, Jason, it's a crazy time. It is. It is a crazy time. Jason, you said a three-tier system. I would like to know what that is. <laughs> I absolutely do. I'm not a full-blown expert, but I can definitely explain it. So a uh, three-tier system is in the U.S. Federal law is for liquor uh, specifically. Um, a supplier or a manufacturer, the the brand, right? Um has to sell to the distributor or the wholesaler who has to sell to the retailer. It can't skip, right? So if you are a brand like Jack Daniels, you cannot sell directly to a retailer, whether that be an on-premise or off-premise, a restaurant, a bar, or a convenience store. They have to sell to a distributor, let's say a Southern Glacier Wine and Spirits, who then has to sell it to the retailer, and then the retailer has to sell it to the consumer. So those are the three tiers. Um, there's been talks for a long time on why that has to be sort of what what are the implications of if there were distributors in the middle but what we've seen over the years is the system's pretty locked in and doesn't seem to be changing and so once again not our position frankly to be trying to change it or not change it it's we're really focused on the retailer and helping them work within the parameters that exist but yeah did that explain the three-tier system okay it did. It did. It reminds me. That, that is almost perfect. I couldn't have explained <laughs> it any better, even Bravo. though I, I have heard it a hundred times exactly like you described. Perfect. That that would have been embarrassing if I described it unlike anything you've ever heard. <laughs> and then we might have problems. Uh, but we do live in the Carolinas <laughs> where laws are a little different. So we'll just leave it at <laughs> yeah. that. Well, it's, a, you know, a funny thing about that is that oftentimes while we may believe that we know something like about C stores or about three tier having someone like you explain it though, from your, you know, from your perspective or really probably from uh, maybe not perspective, but from your physical being in the industry and having to manage that and, and to, to navigate around the laws that, that you would have a possibly a unique way of explaining it. And you, um, you explained that to exactly now I know what it is. <laughs> now I know clearly what it is, at least in, in Los Angeles. Did you learn, about how to be in the tech world? Did you learn about um, your previous careers? Did you learn that in college or did you did you just bootstrap it and go start working at 14 at your dad's liquor store? Yeah, no, uh, 
a weird, weird story for how I, I got to where I am. But the tech experience, I worked at a company called Citrix for almost a decade. I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's multi-billion dollar large scale technology company. That's where I worked out of college, was there for quite a while. Uh, great company, but I was bored pretty quickly uh, working in, in a big corporation. So I started a technology company, which was a software platform for dog groomers. So think what I'm trying to do for Bev's, but for dog groomers, I had dogs. I knew nothing about dog grooming. And so that company never made it. It was my first stab at like really building a technology company from the ground up and failed for a lot of reasons. And I realized I didn't know what I was doing in terms of running a business. So I went to business school, I uh, got my MBA from UCLA. And then that's, I've known Victor, my co-founder, since I've been a kid. So to sort of answer your original question on on that piece, it was not my dad's liquor store. It was my friend's dad's liquor store. Uh, and so my co-founder, Victor, was my basketball coach actually growing up. I met him when I was six years old. And so we'd go to his stores after the games, obviously not getting liquor when we were like nine, but we sure. would go to the stores, the Gator. We didn't get liquor, I swear. This is on, on recording and we didn't get liquor at nine years old. But we got the chips, the snacks, the Gatorades. And so I've been around it for a long time. His friends, his family, his network, a lot of convenience and liquor store owners or in the broader space, right? Brands, distributors, et cetera. And then it was when I was sort of closing down the dog grooming app, uh, moving back from, I, I've lived in LA most of my life, but I was in Seattle at the time. Moving back, that's when Victor's like, I'm building something for this space no one's building anything for liquor and convenience stores. You got restaurant stuff, you have grocery stuff, you have delivery apps. It's just, it's different. And I want to build something for this group. And so it's really, he's the real founder. Um, but I sort of teamed up with him right at the beginning to, to build this. So this weird subset of experiences in big tech, failing my own startup, and then Victor sort of industry experience and having like decades of time sort of knowing him is how we're here now. What a great American dream, because, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you fail four, five, six times, landing on that right spot and actually finding the right mix and making it work, my hat's off to you. Uh, I know I, everybody on this call here, I mean, Tom, myself, we've all had things that didn't work quite as well as we wanted, but you yep. keep at it, you keep moving and you keep finding until you get to that aha moment and it sounds like you found the aha moment it's in this uh bev's opportunity to help the supply chain for the c-store industry get their beverages so that they're never run out of stock because when you go into the store you definitely go in for a reason and you don't want to be disappointed yeah and uh no i love that what you just said because that's what got really escalated in the pandemic. So historically, and, and you guys being in the industry for so long, you saw this firsthand. 30 years ago, there were one, not nearly as many products in a convenience or a liquor store, right? I mean, even thinking like the hard seltzer market was like non-existent for decades, right? And so it's too many items, but that doesn't change the consumer opinion. They still came in for a thing they wanted. And maybe 40 years ago, it was just beer. And now it's a craft hazy IPA. Right. And then you take online, you're now expecting the source to not only just have all those items at all time, but to 
have a feasible way to get those online on a website or on a delivery app, impossible. Um, and, and one other comment I'll make, because it makes me laugh, your, your, your comment around sort of failing and then figuring it out. And so I told you my first startup failure. I mean, arguably the way I consider it, we actually failed at best the first time too. So our first business was a, del a delivery app. We were literally DoorDash, but just for liquor and convenience stores. We thought we had the aha moment. The pandemic hits, we're doing a ton of deliveries, like upwards of a thousand deliveries a month. We're like, we nailed it. This is it. An, a delivery app that's much better for convenience stores. And that was the wrong idea too, because we figured out the inventory supply chain issues, right? The stores were not built to handle our deliveries or anyone else's. And then we, we hit the reset button again in 2021, recruited a new uh, a CTO, a chief technology officer, and then we, we did it again for Bevs. And so I'd argue we have, I have plenty of failures leading up to where we're at today, but I do feel like we hit the aha moment with what we're doing now, but uh, failures outside and inside of Bevs uh, led us here for sure. Great. So you, Love it. you, so you spotted a pain, fixed it, and it caused your own pain. And then you had yep. to fix your own pain. <laughs> Yeah. That's and it like was funny in the inception stuff there. Yeah. In the pandemic. So, right. Think summer 2020, we were a delivery app and our competitors were therefore DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. And the stores would keep calling us and, and asking a question, not about our app. They'd be like, how do I turn this on in this? And we're like, are you in the Bev's app? And they're like, no, I'm using Postmates. We're like, ah, Postmates is our comp literally our competition. But we sort of took a step back and said, like, we've always done this for the convenience store. Let's help them anyways. In the end, if they're winning, we're happy. And that was sort of part of it. But yeah, we, there was a period of time we were, we, were, we were the customer success team in LA for our competitors. And we're like, all right, I think we need to change this up a little. But um, part of the journey, I guess. You know, probably you don't get this uh, question a lot, but you're in the BEV industry. Obviously, you're talking about all this to-go stuff in this convenience store. What is your personal favorite beverage? It's a great question. Do you want me to answer that as alcoholic, non-alcoholic? I have lots of favorite beverages. Uh, let's go with yes. Yes. Hey, pick the category. I won't, I won't be boring and say coffee because I'm not usually buying coffee from the convenience store. So if I'm walking into a convenience store, um, I'm going one of a few ways, any red wine, cab or a Pinot, but that's still kind of boring because I'm not sophisticated enough to know a bunch of name brands. Um, but the two I'll go to that are more fun is bourbon. If I'm drinking liquor, um, I go Jefferson. It's my favorite Jefferson reserve. If I want to splurge ocean, if I'm really going to splurge, but I'm never really going to splurge. And then, um, uh, my favorite lately is this beer out of Seattle. Uh, called Sky Kraken, and it is a hazy pale ale. Those are my favorites. What are your guys' favorites? You walk into, I know the C store is different, but if you walked into a C store that also saw, sold liquor, beer, wine, what what beverages are you guys leaving with? Well, I'll be honest with you. I love a good glass of wine. So depending on the time of the year, if it's hot yep. outside, I'm not a really good rosé. Uh, yeah. If it's cold outside, a good Cabernet. And if it's really, really, really cold and it's been a really, really great day, a 12 year old scotch is right on spot. Wow. That's like That's a good a year. year. 
yeah, that's, that's the full that's cycle a... of the season. <laughs> oh, and did I mention my go-to would be a gin and tonic? He did not. Huh. He did not mention that. <laughs> I was wondering why you didn't mention that. Well, you know, I'm just I was trying to take it to the you know the different four uh, seasons of the year. That is I that like is that. good. That's awesome. I would leave with a a cider. There's a, a, a Bold Rock, which is in North Carolina. Uh, they make a green apple. It's like, you know, it has alcohol. It's an alcohol cider. Yeah. I almost said alcoholic cider. I don't think you can have that. <laughs> a cider that's alcohol. On the on the other side of there's a, a company up in Taylor's, South Carolina, that is called 13 Stripes Brewery. And they make a new, I don't really even know that it's just a lager, but it's called Not My King. And it is all, the whole story behind it is built on the that part of of South Carolina being a hotbed in the Revolutionary War against England, so they made this big story up about it, and I fell for it for fourteen ninety nine <laughs> for four cans, and it turned out to be delicious, and I absolutely love it. and And if I were to go over to the the sweeter side, I have a new um a new type of it's called um, um body armor, and it's a uh, drink that's made yeah. with coconut water, and and you guys may already know that on the West Coast, but as soon as I discovered that it is, it has been a, a, a big deal for me because I like to drink things that replenish me. And occasionally, of yep. course, after a good tennis match, uh, you know, a Mick ultra, which is what yeah. they have made their, you know, they've made their gazillions on like, Hey, did you sweat today? Did you work out? Huh. Here's a Mick ultra for you. And we made it extra small so you can drink a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just drink seven of them. No, that's awesome. And you know, Tom, um, I didn't hear you say anything about the Montana whiskey bourbon. I did not say anything about that. We have, uh, we both just got, there's a Montana. There we go. You can show that. Get a little closer. There we go. Nice. Montana whiskey. And showing the bottle. Can you see the bottle, Jason, as far as from a, from yeah. a, a scooch back a little bit, yeah. Doug, so you can see the bottle. It it's almost looks like a, uh, it's an oil like can. water bottle. Yeah. But it's an, you can't really see it as well as you want, but it's an oil can. Yeah. Like when an old timey oil can that, uh, that so they created cool. the whole story behind it. And it's, um, um, uh, I brought it, I brought a batch from, there we go. See that in that. Uh, and That's it's awesome. And they are proud of it. Let me say, um, Andrea compared <laughs> it to uh larceny. It is kind of in the larceny, uh, uh, uh point, uh, maybe a, a green Jack Daniels, green little Jack Daniels. So it's got a little bite to it, but it, it holds up very well in a Coke, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, that's no, kind of, that's kind of our really go-to cool. around, around here. I fell yeah. for the side thing when, and I meant to say when, when you were talking about the seltzer, uh, when I first met the guys at Bold Rock who, who have done an amazing job, the first part of our beer we have at our groceries, a it's, it's like a whole section of beer. And I'm sure they got that in California too, but it's a yeah. whole section of beer and the, and the ciders that, you know, they kept them all the way down at the very, very end, just past the Miller high life which is of course delicious and the um uh and i noticed that all of a sudden all the ciders just started taking over everything and then oh, this yeah. then the seltzer stuff came in with the i think it was truly i can't remember which one was the first one we had uh and then of course you know it just bombed the whole section and, and filled it out it's a uh so yeah. we i guess we i guess we kind of have a similar thought that that um uh, we have one group of C stores down here that that is you're able to actually consume, and I'm not sure if it's what it's called, but you can buy a bottle of wine, sit in the store at a table, and drink the bottle of wine. What is is that a name for that? Yeah. Like on site or? 
Yeah, I mean, I, frankly, I don't know exactly, but it's the on-premise versus off-premise. On-premise, forgive me. On-premise is definitely what I would be considered. That's right. Yeah, we're seeing and a so, few of these combo deals. It's really the funny. The first time I ever experienced that was not in like a C store scenario, but it was a it was like an Italian restaurant, and they had the wine in bottles that you could buy or you could pick it. They'd open it up and you'd drink it there, and it was just such a cool experience to be able to feel like you were shopping for the bottle or thing that you wanted and then consume it there. So I think that trend will pick up. I imagine, or at least in California, my understanding is it's it's multiple licenses you need. So it's just the the you know the workload to get all of that. And then if your store is built for it, right? Like a lot of the convenience stores in LA are tiny, right? They're not they're not most likely opening up uh, on premise. But I think the concept's really cool. Do you have a platform that you can tell me on which your bevs.com, your your bevs is is it built on a certain type of platform? If you can tell me. Yeah, no, definitely not not secrets here. So yeah, our, yeah. our platform is all built on AWS Amazon Web Services. So that's sort of the backend infrastructure. All, all, it seems like almost all the startups are are building on AWS, this re- really flexible way to build code. How we sort of offer it though is through an iPad app. Um, so it's an iPad app through Apple, iOS. Um, and then we do actually also offer it as sort of like a, a web page. So if you are a convenience store owner, most choose to use iPad manage bevs in their store, uh, but a lot do go home and use it like on a computer. But that back end is really Amazon speaking to Apple for the most part. Got it. Wow, cool. We have yeah. um, family members that are in the that are actually in startups that actually are, are in that world. And both uh, my daughter and her husband are both founding engineers at startups. Um, one of them was from California, and uh, oftentimes I when I sit with them and I hear and see what they're talking about. And they talk about the systems. I figured I had your ear for a second and yeah. I would, so now when I'm at dinner, I can maybe drop in. Well, you know, um, my guy, Jason, uh, Vico, uh, he, uh, he uses that on the AWS and, and then we're like, dad, that's it. <laughs> Did you quote that? Or do you actually know what that means? One of the guys that works with me, he's on a uh, startup as well. And he's doing something with fuel at these um, uh, ports and he's writing software and he's using the same thing, AWS as kind of the uh, backbone. And I knew nothing about it other than when you started talking about it, like I've heard him talk about that. Yeah, that's great. That almost makes me feel like all these industries changing so fast, right? It's like, it felt like I also blinked my eye and Amazon had an entire business (laughs) called AWS that all these startups were building on when, I'm sure for all of us, for the longest time, I I thought they were just selling items on a marketplace, right? Like Amazon.com. And then out of nowhere, their AWS business is this massive thing, um, just like some of these drinks, right? It's like blink your eye and they're, they have a whole company probably worth half, the, half of what Amazon is worth. It was like blink your eye. All our C-stores have shelves worth of, of seltzers and ciders. And it's it's just uh, staying, staying on top of the trends. It's, not easy we're Things trying move fast around here man i'm here to tell you if you're not staying ahead of the curve you're gonna get run over yeah just i was curious just because it, it's starting to blow up it seems in in california is non-alcoholic drinks not meaning water but like non-alcoholic beers non-alcoholic oh. wines are you guys starting to see those pop up absolutely more often? and uh, i was in a focus group that i was listening more than talking 
And that is where the growth is in the industry right now is in the, I mean, I could call some names like tractor beverage and there's probably 15 other ones out there, but that was the one that I was involved with. And, you know, the, the tea and the hibiscus and the, all the fancy flavors and things like that. That's where the growth is being shown right now in our market. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. I'm seeing two angles. You have your like, really wanted to look, feel, and taste like a beer. So uh, our head of business development actually at Bev's doesn't drink. Um, and so whenever I'm spending time with him, we I have the non-alcoholic beers, right? So like Athletic Brewing does some really good ones. And then a lot of the normal Lagunitas and they're all launching. And that's his preference, right? But then there's other people looking for less of the look, taste, feel, and more of the effect, right? So these like neurotropics and that's where like the hibiscus and the sort of like mimicking energies or minor highs with those. And I'm just finding it fascinating where those are both going and which ones will win and, and relatively probably healthier than drinking alcohol. I'd probably well, argue, but I think uh, that's the direction really that uh, the company I was talking about, it's not necessarily alcohol, but you're getting the, the highs and the energies and the, uh, the boost from all the other herbs and things that they're putting yep. into it. Yeah. That are legit. So and people have been doing it for years. I mean, you think about people with snuff and, and other things that they've, that, that are stimulants, so to speak. And we are seeing, uh, I, I do a little bit of work in a little bit different way on in the, with the deltas when in the cannabinoids and moving into the terpenes where they're actually, there's no, actually, if you ate it by itself, it wouldn't give you a buzz, but if you eat it in concert with something else, um, in a in a concoction, it makes it so that it, it gives you a maybe a calming effect, or it maybe gives you a little bit of a yeah. a euphoria for a period of time, which is not unlike a shot of bourbon. I mean, really, if you yeah. think about it. And uh, to me, I think that it's a fun thing because it gives someone that wishes to have something different that doesn't want to. And I'll say this: I I started drinking. See, this is a funny thing to to me from an inside. And I actually wrote it down in, in my, my uh, log that I keep about weird things that I think of. And I stop. I don't drink beer generally when I'm with a crowd because I don't like the way that beer smells coming out of somebody's face. So I, so I drink cider and yeah. you know, what are you going to, Oh, Hey, uh, you having like a, uh, an apple seltzer there, buddy. It's like, yeah. And I don't, you know, smell like a keg or like you know, the thing. Yeah. So I mean, that was a little weird and personal, but that is one of the yeah. side benefits, I think, to those, because when we went to, as a personal note, we went to a, a tennis tournament. We have a tennis tournament here. That is uh, the largest uh, uh, female only tennis tournament in the, in the country. And the big seller was the uh, gin, uh, what did I call them, Doug? Aromatics. They were like aromatics and they had all of these different flavors and colors and they were making drinks that were beautiful and they looked pretty and had flowers. And if you're thinking about truly enjoying something, I mean, what's better? I mean, if you think about a plate, that's why you have, you know, that's why you have the, um, the all of the uh, things at the past when you take a, a plate out, you decorate it and, and put it, you know, you're not yep. supposed to eat those things sometimes, but. But anyway, that, yeah. I think that's. A, I'm, I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you uh, brought that up because it is a neat thing that I believe that it's allowing us to not feel like oh, you have the you have the glass that has the napkin around it, <laughs> so they think oh, so is something wrong? Are you not having a beer today? It's like no, I just yeah. I want to taste. I want to taste something good, and 
and have a little uh, Delta eight buzz that doesn't like, you know, harm, harm the universe, so to speak. Yeah. Which is why I like a good Cabernet. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> after. yeah. It's like a, a Cabernet, but you drink them in the glasses that are like this big. <laughs> just from the hey, wine bottle. Be nice now. <laughs> I just get, I just get, I just get, well, haven't you seen that? You've seen that at the, you know, the giant margaritas. What? It's, it's a funny thing. So, well, Jason, I tell you, man, we, we have covered a lot of, uh, a lot of things. And one thing I, I hope to ask you before we, we wrap up here is for the future of technology, when we're seeing generative arts, we're seeing uh, people displacing themselves with learning prompts and and proper use of, which I don't really believe it's AI. I believe that it's something else than that. Uh, as I told Doug, you know, the robots are definitely going to kill us now. <laughs> and uh, and Skynet is a real thing now. So I'm figured let's go ahead and run. You know what I mean? Let's go ahead and run with it. What yeah. do you see? What What is your thought about the future? So when we listen to this and in 2065, <laughs> when you're president of the universe, or whatever you are, what's your projection? What's your projection, man? What are you forecasting for the world? Yeah, maybe president of the alcohol universe, but a uh, whole universe feels like a little bit of a stretch. No, it's a great question. I think, yeah, and and on the sort of generative AI and artificial intelligence stuff, it's it's for people who've been working in tech a long time. It's so, so much of it is like over over escalated, right? Where so years ago we were talking, do you have enough data? we would call it machine learning or predictive analytics. It's the same concept. It just can happen at scale. So I'm more of uh, someone who's going to argue that AI isn't as bad as the stories we're hearing. But I think in terms of what to expect, I have a little bit of a bias where my focus is, as you saw, I built a dog grooming platform and now a convenience store software platform. I think one big trend we're going to see is very specific vertical technology and keep diving down deeper and deeper. I think historically for decades, technology was built more broader, right? You have your Googles or your Adobe's where you're sort of expecting a lot of people to use and use tools in a certain way. And I think we now have the feasibility, it's cheaper. You have your things like AWS where you can scale really fast. I think one thing we'll see is really specific technology and tools delivered to people who never had them before. And I think it's going to be fascinating because I think if in 60 years, convenience stores and these other verticals didn't have the technology that a Walmart or a Target has, they won't exist anymore. And so I think we're going to companies like ours save a lot of these verticals. That's one, I think, vertical technology that's really unique, specific, customized. Um, I think another one automation is is becoming really big. You could call that part of AI, you could call it predictive analytics, but you are seeing a future where things can happen on their own when the tools talk to each other and it won't it won't rely on people. Um, what I think the the scary part is, I think jobs will be lost, but I think the positive part is that there will be more jobs created as there have always been historically, right? So it's the people who figure out how to either use the tools or be part of the tools or whatever those next jobs exist that we don't even know what they are. But I think automation is going to be really huge. And I'm, I'm even challenging myself personally to do more of this stuff, right? Weeding through email and messages and sort of these things that I go, can these be automated by technology or even people? But I'd say those are the two. I think automation don't fear artificial intelligence too much. I, I'm not as scared of it, but maybe I'm naive. So maybe I'll look back on this podcast and be like, wow, I was really stupid when the world ended 60 years later. Um, and vertical specific stuff. And I hope 
more people build for these specific verticals. Um, it's, it just seems like a win across the board, but that's what I got. Those two. Wow. Uh, as someone who does use AI on a daily basis, uh, automation, uh, whether it be data analytics that we're doing, there, there's a lot of stuff that my job today is easier because of those AIs. Um, yeah. And this morning I was actually reading to bring everything to really current. I'm a Beatles fan, man. I love the Beatles, you know, their music, you know, their, their structure, what they do is so great. Well, there's going to be a new song released the first week in November and it's using AI where they actually took John Lennon, uh, where he did a demo tape. And then they took George and they uh, took his demo tape. And now they got Paul McCartney and they're going to release a brand new song in November that was totally not available to the world until the technology of today. That's insane. It's fascinating. They're going to re- release it with a, what do you call it? A, uh, like a, a TV show to talk about how they use the AI to remix everything and how they captured the voices and the the points and all the stuff behind the scenes, how they, John Lennon will be singing on this song and he's been dead for years. That's that crazy. Not, it's that's weird, isn't it? it? It's insane for, for not, not today because we will run out of time, but I'm also fascinated by this like content and creative ownership that's coming, right? That's, so obviously there was collaboration with this, Paul McCartney, but in the future, we're seeing this happen all the time where like these AI tools are scraping things online and it's, is it yours? If someone uses your name and face, it it's going to be a weird set of times in the creative industry on who owns what, how they choose to own it. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have a funky time in the future. So I'm, I'm going to stay in my vertical lane over here, just right, building right, tools right. For, for convenience stores. And I'm going to watch from afar and I think yeah. it's going to be crazy. Well, the IP that, attorneys are going to be the IP attorneys are going to be making oh, it. Is it the time, time to to, to be do that? that. No well, doubt. On that, and I know we've covered a lot of ground, but I think it's time for us to go catch a flight. Uh, I know I've got right. one coming up here real soon. So, man, this has been good stuff, man. I appreciate you, Jason. Before yeah. we get you, before you get too far away, if someone were out in Los Angeles in your neighborhood, where would they find you? Where would they run into you at the, at the grocery store? Where where would they run into you? I am a major Instacart user, so you won't find me at the grocery store, uh, but the few places you'll find me. Uh, as I said, startup life is is quite a lot of my life. We just signed a, an office lease at a WeWork in North Hollywood, California, so you will find me and some of my team members. Like I said, we're pretty distributed, but the LA, generally LA team, you'll find us at WeWork North Hollywood uh, on a daily basis. On a more personal level, you'll find me, so I live in Studio City. California. So it's sort of outside of LA, a little away from Hollywood. Um, a lot of cool restaurants, bars, wine tasting rooms. Uh, so you'll find me at a few wine tasting rooms like that. There's one called Vintage right by my house. They bring in funky sort of interesting wines. Uh, that's really where you'll find me drinking wine or a cocktail somewhere close by. So I don't have to go too far in, in a WeWork or if I treat myself a little bit maybe on a pickup basketball court but uh not 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 enough for you to catch me there probably 
that is that is fun to hear that about you and to when you hear where people hang out that's when you can really tell what what they're thinking about so if someone were looking for 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 you online where do where would they where would they run into you online how could they find out more about what you're doing yeah so obviously bevs.com bevz.com you'll find information about what we're doing scroll to the bottom you can see press things like that uh most though is linkedin i'm very active on linkedin should be more active on other channels but if you add me or follow me on linkedin i'm posting all things bevs what we're working on industry stuff this conversation <laughs> thank you we appreciate that jason it has been a pleasure to meet you i think that we could have gone that extra time that i had allotted quite candidly would you mind if we caught back up with you Maybe, uh, you know, maybe after a little while, catch back up with you and see what's going on and maybe get a little, dig a little deeper into some of this vertical, maybe drill a little deeper as the cool kids say. Of course. No, it was great meeting you both. I appreciate the time. Happy to chat about this stuff. I could, I could do this all day. So it was easy to talk that, to you guys. That is awesome. Thank you. And we, as we part, we'll say cheers from Charleston. Cheers from Florence. <laughs> and cheers from LA. Thanks so much, Jason. Thanks guys. Have a good one.